Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Today we're going to be continuing our study of the fateful night before the death of our Lord Jesus as he gathers with his apostles. And we find ourselves in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 33, which is the entire chapter. But we're going to break it down into three different parts. First, let's look at verses 1 through 11. These things I have spoken to you, so that you will not be led into sin. They will ban you from the synagogue, yet an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father, nor me. But these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them. However, I did not say these things to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And, and he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Regarding sin, because they do not believe in me. And regarding righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you no longer are going to see me. And regarding judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Jesus had so many things to say to his apostles as he prepared them for the devastating events that were about to take place really just hours from now. At that, Jesus had told them was for the purpose of keeping them from falling when the bitter opposition of the world came upon them. They would be cast out of the synagogues, thus losing their status and position in the Jewish community. They would even be killed by their own kinsmen. Their persecutors would think that they were serving God by their persecution, but would actually be demonstrating their gross ignorance of God and of the Lord. While Jesus had predicted many of these things earlier in his discussion with the apostles, now he was repeating him and clearly telling his apostles what would happen with the additional idea of the coming of the Spirit. They hadn't needed the comforter while Jesus was there. Now that he was leaving, they would. You know, a good example of one who tragically thought that he was doing God's will by persecuting Jesus and his disciples was the Apostle Paul. In he testifies to this fact in an effort to try to convince his fellow Jewish brethren to believe in Jesus. In Acts 26, verse 9, it said, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And so we know that he, by force, compelled believers to blaspheme against the name of Jesus it's such a sad, sad tragedy that that was able to happen. And I, I just, I, 
you know, I wonder if there's anything here that we can learn here about the power of deception and the importance of, of testing all things and, and never ceasing to test our faith and why it is that we believe what we believe. To verse 7, I, I think to the, um, the continuation of the plan that it's to their advantage that Jesus is going to be leaving them in a physical sense. Um, for the the helper, the Holy Spirit to be coming to them, and the in the advancement of the plan and continuing on in the the gospel and spreading it um, to all nations as as we continue to see today, just um, an awesome thing to see the 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 continuation of the plan, even when uh, as we'll kind of get to later on in likely future um, installments of Jesus isn't necessarily looking forward to the physical suffering. The idea of let this cup pass from me, but but your will be done. And his focus is on God's will being done over all else. And I think here you see a a, a, um, a glimmer of that same idea of him knowing and understanding that the plan and God's will, and specifically the Father's will, is, is the ultimate um, goal. The Lord was about to depart from them. Soon the apostles were going to be the ones that would be bearing the brunt of the persecution. Their master was about to die. This he had made clear, and they did not understand. They were grief-stricken at what they heard. But again, Jesus told them that his death was necessary. He had come to die. The completion of his work demanded it. It was expedient for them that this should happen because the coming of the Spirit was dependent upon the Lord's departure. Their work was to be done through the agency of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit in the world is not, I believe, a direct operation. It is through the Word and the preaching of the Word. The Spirit's work involves convicting or convincing. To convince or convict is to place the truth of a matter in a clear light before someone in such a way as to demand that it be acknowledged as the truth. This the Spirit does through the revelation. He would show the world in the revelation that they were lost in sin, that salvation is available in the righteousness manifested in Jesus and practiced by those who follow him, and the inevitability of judgment. You know, that certainly would be a hard truth to accept because from the disciples' perspective, they are little children being thrown into the deep end and and. From the beginning of the ministry, any challenge that came was immediately taken up by Jesus. Like whenever the Pharisees challenged them, uh, even when the Pharisees attacked the disciples, there was Jesus immediately confronting that. And, and now he's saying, "This is this is going to all fall on you." And so he doesn't want them to fall. He's trying to prepare them for this. There's another thing here that Jesus says, and that is. Uh, none of you asks me where I am going. I'm intrigued by that. Earlier in chapter 14, verse 28, he had said a similar thing. You've heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. It seems to me that Jesus is trying to get them to uh, stop worrying about themselves. Stop stop dwelling on the fear because it does say sorrow has filled your heart. That It's like Jesus is saying, you're focusing on the wrong thing here. You should be focusing on the fact that I just told you 
I'm going to go be with my father. And by the way, the righteousness which I am preaching and which you will preach, the fruit of that, as verse 10 says, the spirit convicting the world of righteousness is because I go to my father. In other words, this is the fruit of righteousness. Ask me about being with the Father. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what that's like. I'll excite your minds for it, and and so that you can look forward to the fruit of righteousness that you might one day be with the Father as well. And I think we also can see in in these verses and continuing in the verses following is the unison of God. We see the Father mentioned. Obviously, Jesus is speaking. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, and He'll continue to talk about. Um, about the Holy Spirit in the following verses, but it's the, the unison of God. All three, three and one, are in play and working and working so in the, in the same purpose, and it's absolutely for the same message. Um, and I think that's just a a, a neat um, and, and worthy example that we can see that in Scripture to point out. Let's continue on in the passage and look at verses 12 through 28. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being is born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your sorrow no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing, for assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came forth from God. I came forth from the Father, and have come into the world, 
again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Just try to put ourselves in the place of these apostles on this night and the the tenor of what Jesus is saying and the direction the discussion and teaching is going in. There was so much more that the disciples needed to hear, but they weren't in a position yet to be able to bear it. It was necessary for Jesus to die, be buried, raised from the dead, and ascend into heaven. Then the Spirit would come. Jesus is the way. The Spirit is the guide. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the guide into all truth. God had glorified the Son and was about to crown his earthly ministry with heavenly glory. After the ascension, the Holy Spirit was to unfold the full majesty of the person of Jesus and the supreme value of his ministry, the manifestation of the full truth as it is in Christ glorifies him. The first little while that we see in this passage refers to the period between the Lord's death and resurrection, a time when they would not see him. The second little while refers to the time after the resurrection but before the ascension, a time when they would see him. I don't think it is surprising at all that they did not understand, nor can we fail to see the swirl of emotions that these men were experiencing. Weep and lament refers to the more violent manifestations of grief, the kind they would undoubtedly feel when they saw Jesus condemned, tortured, and put to death. It was the kind of grief they would feel as they deserted Jesus and fled. You know, so the hard saying of, it is to your advantage that I go away, is not able to be understood unless you can appreciate the fact that the the time of the disciples with Jesus represents a uh, kind of a an early infancy state of of their of their faith because until Jesus goes away he says the spirit cannot come and when the spirit does come he says that will usher in a period in which they are able to be guided into all the truth because early on in the ministry, uh, Jesus says, I've got many things to say to you, but uh, you are not able to bear them now. But during this time, the Spirit is going to come, and he says he's going to guide you into all truth. Which should also teach us that the, that, uh, the Christian, or the disciple of Christ, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, is not deficient in any regard to any truth that is needful for man. Uh, exactly. That we have all the the guy we need to understand the scriptures and, and teach it. Also, verse twenty jumps out to me um, in particular of the the reaction that we're going to see of the world and of the the disciples there. Um, that I think is just amazing. There, you know, Jesus speaking of the reaction of his death that the world will rejoice in it and are going to. Um, they're just going to find joy in it while his disciples you know, not as at, huge in number as the world are going to weep um, and I mean to talk about exiting the world albeit for a short time the, the, the three days rising on the third day but being in the way it was and how the suffering that is going to come with that 
and to know that your creation, the people that you are, people amongst who you are dying for, are going to rejoice in that. I, I just, it's beyond words, and to to understand that um, is is amazing. And but still, jumping to verse twenty two, the disciples' reaction is they're they're gonna they're going to have um, joy. There'll be grief um, first, but when he sees them again, their heart will rejoice. And it's a joy that no one is going to take away from them. And it's a joy that can still be had today, that no one can take away our joy that Jesus Christ died for us and rose on the third day. Okay, let's look at the last part of this discussion in John chapter 16. We'll look at verses 29 through 33. And this is what it says. His disciples said to him, See, Now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Have you ever had a a light bulb suddenly kind of go off in your mind and clear up a problem or a question that you had been struggling with? To a certain degree, I think that's probably what was happening to the apostles. Understand that their grasp was not complete as of yet. I believe the fact that Jesus so perfectly understood their difficulties and would address their questions even before they asked them or understood enough to frame the question helped to assure their faith. Jesus, he wasn't questioning their faith. He was trying to brace them and prepare them for the shock that they were about to receive. They would temporarily leave him and desert, but he would not be alone. The Father would be with him. Even though it may not look that way at the time, the Father would be with him. Having predicted his betrayal, denial, desertion by the apostles, and his arrest, torture, and death, Jesus said, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This was spoken as his death loomed in the shadows. The time was at hand. What peace, what calm assurance, what a triumph. As Satan appeared to conquer and the world to overcome, Jesus triumphed. You know, I kind of laugh to myself here as I, I read this, these words, because in verse 25, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language. And it's not, it's not four verses later that the disciples are saying, see, now you are speaking plainly. Uh, he had said, the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language. And I just find it very uh, hard to believe that all he meant by that was three verses later. Uh, so the disciple, I, I just imagine Jesus hears this newfound, this profound light bulb that you describe and probably had a little chuckle to himself uh, because they feel like they have just uh, had this 
have this awakening of knowledge, this revelation. And Jesus knows that they still still have a lot to learn. And even though they feel like they see things plainly, uh, they... They have no idea what is coming, and that's why I think when he, when he uh, tells them that the hour is coming when you'll be scattered, uh, that he's he's pointing to the fact that uh, they are still deficient in their knowledge. It's a great testimony, I guess, a great lesson for us uh, to be humble and uh, and take heed, because the one who thinks he stands. Uh, should take heed lest he fall. And I know they're they're thinking of themselves as completely uh, uh, in understanding, but there's a lot they need to know. I think loneliness is something that you know a lot of people experience at, at various points in their lives, and just in general, there's a lot of people that have this feeling. Um, we, we see Jesus even say in verse 32 that they are going to leave. They're going to be, leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And you know. From a physical standpoint, he was alone. There was no one else around what he's going to be referring to, but he was not alone. The Father was with him. It's the exact same thing in application for us today. We can, as, as a Christian, can be alone physically in terms of there may not be a, uh, you know, a physical person, another human being in the room, but we are not alone when God is there, and he's there. You know, he's, We can have a relationship with, um, you know, whether it's a spouse or a, a close family member, where we um, are with them constantly and able to have that close relationship. But at the end of the day, they, you know, they have to sleep. There's work that they may have to do and various things. They can't always be around for us to have conversation with or be around. But God, he can be anywhere. He can be talked to at any time. Um, so when loneliness, feel, when feelings of being lonely come in, we can understand that just as Jesus clearly shows, we're not alone. That's not an option for the Christian because God is with us. And what better company there is than having God with us. That's going to have to do it for this particular program. We appreciate each and every one of you who have been listening. And we encourage you to invite your friends to listen as well. We also invite you to go to our website, www.nk cofc.com. Again, thanks for listening, and until next time, goodbye.